Last week, the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops released a pastoral letter on freedom of conscience and religion. The letter expresses concern about an aggressive relativism in Canada that seeks to relegate religion to the private sphere. This message is so important and I hope people don't ignore it. You may not know that today 75% of all religious persecution is against Christians. They've been massacres of Coptic Christians in Egypt, the bombing of churches in Nigeria, the interference of church affairs by the Chinese government, the call for the execution of converts to Christianity in Afghanistan and Iran. But there are also forms of non-violent persecution. In some European countries, gynecologists and obstetricians are sometimes compelled against their conscience to screen unborn children for Down syndrome in order to abort them. Here in Canada, some colleges of physicians require that members who refuse to perform abortions refer patients to another physician willing to do so. In some places, pharmacists are forced to fill prescriptions for contraceptions or the morning after pill. And marriage commissioners in British Columbia, Manitoba, Newfoundland and Saskatchewan must now perform same-sex marriages or resign. What's more common is the acceptable denigration of Christianity. Some people believe that all expressions of religious belief must be relegated to the private sphere. They seek to deny religion any influence on society. And so, religion is increasingly marginalized confined to homes and churches and considered to be insignificant or even destabilizing to society. We see this in the attempt to ban religious feasts and symbols from civic life under the guise of respect for other religions or those who are not believers. But here's the double standard. Forcing religious believers to keep their convictions to themselves while atheists and agnostics don't have to keep their convictions to themselves is religious intolerance. These are the people who flaunt the Canadian Charter, but do they know that the preamble to our Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms affirms that Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. It then says that each citizen has certain fundamental freedoms placing freedom of conscience and religion at the top of the list. These freedoms are not granted by the state, rather the state acknowledges that they are intrinsic and respects them. In the letter, bishops say that religious freedom is the most meaningful freedom of all, since it is through faith that we express our deepest decision about the ultimate meaning of our lives. Where religious freedom is protected, peaceful coexistence, prosperity and participation in cultural, social and political life flourish. But when it is threatened, all other rights are weakened and society suffers. We may be seeing more and more religious persecution in the coming years, but only if people like you and I fail to realize that we, believers, can enrich society with our many contributions to culture, political and economic life, healthcare and education, and if we fail to participate in all these aspects of public life. To read the full letter, visit our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is the Salt and Light Radio Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Radio Hour. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Today we have our usual seg segments, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos and our Diocesan Update with Sheridan. Father Thomas Rosica also has a special reflection for the Feast of the Ascension. And that will be in about 20 minutes. And our news producer, Krista Matrenko, is here with me. So, Chris, what's in our news today? Well, the Canadian bishops issued a very important pastoral letter on freedom of religion. Yes. Um, also, the case of Bishop Raymond Lahey um, finally reaches its sad conclusion. 
And lastly, it was a very important day on Wednesday for the Society of St. Pius X, a traditionalist group. And there was, an, um, there was a meeting behind closed doors in the Vatican, which may have decided their fate. Okay, good. So details of those stories uh, coming right up. Um, now, Chris, you're also going to be a featured interview this week because you just finished a documentary on Bethlehem University. That's right. It's the only Catholic university in the West Bank, correctly? That's oh, sorry, right. In the Holy Land. In the Holy Land. In the Holy Land. And first university in the West Bank, actually. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to talk to you about, about that. Um, we are going to explore and see if a university can bring peace to the Holy Land. And uh, if you're looking for good Catholic music for young children, stick around because our featured artist is John Devine, whose CD, you're going to like this title, Chris, is God Really in My School Lunchbox? Hmm. Uh, sounds like a great question that a, a, small, children, a small child might ask. Um, this is one of the best collections of Catholic children's music that I've ever heard. Um, so we're going to be speaking with John Devine in the second half hour of the program, and we're going to begin with one of his songs from his album. I'm going to say it again because I love the title. Is God Really in My School Lunchbox? Here is a song called Balloon Room. Here you go, baby Molly. A nice red balloon. Gee, thanks a lot. It's really fun here. Now you hold on to that string or it'll go way up into the sky, okay? Okay, I will. Whoops. Uh-oh. There it goes. Now I'm going to get it. Guess what, John? What, baby Molly? You know what? What's that? Well, the string on my balloon, it just it just let go of my hand and it went way, way up in the sky and I'll never, ever see it again, ever. <laughs> don't worry about it, Molly. What do you think happens to your balloon? I don't know. Well, listen to this song. It just might have the answer. Okay. a balloon that goes way up to the moon better hold on to the string or it will go where angels sing la 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 now God grabs them from the air and waits for us to get there. He puts them into a room. That's right, it's called the balloon room. La 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 now someday God's gonna say, Calling all my kids, it's time to play. There is the door and here's the key. Open it, take a look and see. Hey, there's my old balloon, Just floating in the balloon room. Look at it go zoom, zoom, zoom. Zoom all around the room Now I don't have to hold on to the string
John Devine with Balloon Room from his album Is God Really in My School Lunchbox and we're going to be speaking with John Devine in the second half of the program in about 15 minutes Father Tom Rosica tells us how we can carry a piece of heaven on earth but first Chris is still here with our news you have more details uh, on this uh, pastoral letter that's right Peter you mentioned it uh, during your commentary Uh, the Canadian bishops released an important pastoral letter on the issue of religious freedom and religious freedom uh, relates both to domestic issues and also international ones. The pastoral letter addressed, addressed concerns ranging from uh, the prevalence of uh, anti-Christian persecution internationally uh, to local issues such as uh, conscious rights for pharmacists who might mm-hmm. be required to prescribe abortifacients or marriage commissioners asked to officiate at mm-hmm. same-sex unions. That's something that happened here in Canada, and uh, the statement calls it a disturbing f- trend that there are threats to freedom of conscience and religion uh, at a national and international level. Now, uh, the bishops affirm that, like religion itself, religious freedom has a personal, individual dimension, but it also has a communitarian, public dimension. And I think that's um, that's where the difference between um, freedom of worship and freedom of religion exists. Some people are. Uh, you know, everyone agrees that people should have freedom of worship, but freedom of religion does extend into the public sphere. Mm-hmm. But the bishops are saying that in no way are they seeking an imposition of beliefs um, on others, and this isn't what they are trying to do, but they are affirming that religion does have a public dimension and uh, uh, a communitarian public dimension, and, and that this is naturally going to mean that believers need to have a role in, in broader society. Absolutely. I was very moved by the fact, and I didn't mention this in the commentary because there's just so much to talk about, but the separation of church and state mm-hmm. doesn't mean separation of state and morality, mm-hmm. which is great. I'd love to talk more about that. And it's naturally time. going yeah. to affect the, the worldview of, of believers, Absolutely. and they can't just you know put Turn this it aside. Off, yeah. Exactly. Now, um, the case of Bishop Raymond Lahi. A uh, very big case in, in Canada in which, uh, in which a bishop uh, pleaded guilty in a civil court to the possession of child pornography, and uh, he was sentenced uh, on January 4th. Now, uh, people were wondering what the Holy See was going to do about this bishop. Um, now, the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops has been informed by the Holy See, by the Vatican, that Raymond Lahi has now been dismissed from the clerical state, so he is no longer Bishop Raymond Lahi. Now, what that means is he has lost the rights uh, associated with the clerical state, being clergy. Um, He's still expected to remain celibate, but he's prohibited from exercising any ministry, although he was not exercising any active ministry, of course, since the time that that he was um, charged uh, charged with child pornography. He's lost um, all offices and functions of power, uh, and he's prohibited from using clerical attire. Now, the decree of dismissal also says that in reparation for the harm and scandal he has caused, 
uh, he's required to pray the liturgy of hours. So hopefully it means that um, you know we've closed the door on this really sad case mm-hmm. uh, that has really affected the church, particularly the church on the east yes. coast and uh, in Antigonish, where yeah. um, where, where he, he was pr- bishop yeah. exactly. Now, finally, Wednesday was a very important day um, for the followers of the Society of St. Pius X, which was a traditionalist group which ended up breaking away from the church back in 1988 when uh, four bishops were excommunicated. Now, those excommunications have lifted, but uh, uh, the Vatican, and particularly Pope Benedict, has been seeking to restore communion, full communion with this group and provide some kind of of canonical solution to to this group which is kind of in a state of limbo at this point and uh and the pope had had asked uh asked the society of saint pius x to uh, to agree to a, a statement basically affirming their um affirming that they are remain in communion with the holy see now that statement hasn't been made public uh, they've asked for a response and that response was i'm um, examined by the congregation for the doctrine of the faith uh, this past week, and we don't know the final results of this, although we know that discussions will continue, and the Vatican said that, you know, we're not quite done yet. Um, however, one important piece of information that they that they did say in the communique, the, the communique from the Holy See, is that, um, is that there might be a difference between uh, the bishop who was leading the Society of, of St. Pius X, Bishop Bernard Ferlet, their secretary general, and the other three bishops, who uh, it seems from public statements um, do not necessarily um, want to um, be united with with the Vatican at this particular time. So there's some division, and actually the Society of St. Pius X, it might end up uh, going through its own schism. Absolutely. Very interesting story, and I'm sure we'll hear more about that uh, mm-hmm. in the weeks mm-hmm. to come. Thank you, Krista Matrenko, our Salt and Light Radio News producer. Chris is going to stand by and stick around because he's going to be back in our second half hour for our featured interview. Um, but a reminder, if you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember you can email us, and we love your emails, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. You can also find us on Facebook, and you can follow us with our Twitter handle at Salt and Light. And now it's time for Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Hi, Pedro. How's everything going? Everything's going well. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, You being the host of this radio show, how do you feel about tomorrow being World Communications Day? Uh, I'm excited because, and we're going to learn more about this uh, pretty soon, but our online Catholic music station is being launched tomorrow. That's fantastic. Anyways, getting to Saint of the Week, just want to wish you a happy uh, World Communications Day. Yes, you too. So, um, Saint Rita of Cascia. Okay. Uh, She's an Italian Augustinian saint, and uh, for our listeners, she was born in Spatello, Italy in 1381. At an early age, Rita begged her parents to allow her to enter a convent. Uh, instead, they arranged a marriage for her. Talk about two different, yeah, uh, exactly. two different <laughs> vocations altogether. Uh, Rita became a good wife and a mother, um, but her husband, we know, was a man of very violent temper. Okay. So, in anger, he often mistreated Rita, and uh, this is crazy. But he taught their children his own evil ways. Okay. So Rita tried to perform her duties faithfully, and um, she prayed, and she received the sacraments frequently. After 20 years of marriage, her husband was stabbed by an enemy. 
But before he died, he repented um, because Rita had prayed for him. Huh. But shortly after that, her two sons died and Rita was alone in the world. So um, It's like a she, soap opera. Yeah, tell me about <laughs> it. So she was left to pray, to fast, to offer penances of many kinds and good works. After the deaths of her husband and sons, uh, St. Rita wanted to enter the monastery of St. Mary Magdalene at Kasha, mm -hmm. but she was turned away. Although the convent acknowledged Rita's good, you know, she had good character and piety, um, the monastery was afraid of being associated with the scandal uh, that involved the death of her husband. husband. Yeah. She persisted in her cause. She didn't give up and um, was given a condition before the convent could accept her. Um, so she was able to resolve the conflicts between um, her family and her husband's uh, murderers. So at the age of 36, she was then allowed to enter the monastery. Wow. Her actual acceptance, her entrance, um, had been described really as a miracle. Uh, during the night, um, we read that when the doors to the monastery were locked and the sisters who were there were sleeping, St. Rita was miraculously transported into the convent by her patron saints, St. John the Baptist, St. Augustine, and St. Nicholas of Tolentino. Wow. When she was found inside the convent in the morning and the sisters learned uh, about how she had entered the convent, they couldn't turn her away. So uh -huh. she was there in the monastery until her death. Um, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, Sister Rita had a great devotion to the Passion of Christ. Uh -huh. um, we know that uh, she had said one day, please let me suffer like you, divine savior. And suddenly one of the thorns from the crucifix struck her on the forehead. It left a really deep wound which did not heal and uh, it basically caused her a lot of suffering for the rest of her life. Saint Rita of Kasha, Pedro, she died on May the 22nd in the year 1457. She is the patroness of impossible cases. Okay. So wow. we celebrate yeah. her feast day on Tuesday, this upcoming Tuesday, May, May the 22nd. 22nd. Wow, good. Thank you very much. That's a new saint, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Saint Rita of Kasha, feast day, May 22nd. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew Santos, our saint expert, now coming up is Sheridan to tell us where we can listen to uninterrupted Catholic music 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So don't go anywhere. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Father Stan Fortuna from the Bronx, New York, and you are listening to Salt and Light Radio. The angel's words to the men of Galilee in the first reading for the Feast of the Ascension are painfully blunt and leave little room for misinterpretation. Why do you stand here looking up at the skies? This Jesus who's been taken from you will return just as you saw him go up to the heavens. As Jesus disappeared, he didn't simply dissolve into thin air. He cast off limitations that he had voluntarily taken on himself. But for us, that means that he has left us here as orphans. Or has he? On the day of his ascension, one might conclude that Jesus removed himself into a new form of divine exclusion. The case is exactly the opposite. In God, Jesus is here in a new and very specific way. Only in his physical separation from the historical scene can his spiritual union with all the world for all time be complete. Jesus left the world one day in order to be available to all people throughout all time. He had to dissolve bonds he had made with his friends. In order to be available for everybody, in Jesus, the future has already begun. In his ascension, Jesus made a commitment to the earth that we inhabit. His footprints are not etched for tourists to view in the stone beneath us. 
but they are visible in the hearts of those who follow him. As he gave up the ability to be present in one place, he gained the capability of being present in a thousand places. When Jesus vanished, he filled the earth with the presence of God. God's presence is still here and is available for us as the ultimate fulfillment of all of our dreams. We know that we move towards heaven to the extent that we approach Jesus. We are assured that he hasn't ever stopped being present with us throughout all time. And through us, he wants to become even more present, especially as his church. The mysterious Feast of the Ascension reminds us that Christ accepts our lack of self-confidence in ourselves. He accepts the shadowy and dark areas of our humanity. He accepts our capacity for deceit, betrayal, greed, and power. And having accepted us, he calls us, gives us the eternal commission to be his people, and sends us to serve him and love him in spite of ourselves and because of ourselves. In the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles for the feast, Jesus' disciples are given a last bit of instruction. Don't keep trying to stare into the future. Don't be overly concerned about which hour he will come back. We must not stand idly staring up into the heavens and moaning about the past about which we can do nothing except to bury it deeply in God's hands and heart. The Lord will be glorified and it follows that his disciples will also share in his glory. Let's get going then and carry a piece of heaven into the world. This is the meaning of the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord. Not one of divine abandonment of the human cause, but divine empowerment of the gospel dream. May Christ dying and rising move us to make God's glory dwell on earth. May our hope for the future inspire us in a respect for the present moment. And may the desire for the heavenly realities not make us neglect our work on earth. Hi, I'm Chris Dimitrenko, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or off iTunes. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hello, hello to all our listeners. Those on the West Coast in Vancouver yeah. can look forward to the world premiere of our latest documentary, Across the Divide. It's co-directed by Richard Valenti and Krista Matrenko, and it's a documentary about Bethlehem University. It's about the Christian brothers who run it and the students who go there. The university is situated in the very heart of the crossfire between the Palestinian militants and the Israeli army. Mm -hmm. So this documentary is very moving and it provides a uniquely Catholic perspective on the situation there. So the world premiere will be in two weeks, Sunday, June the 3rd in Vancouver. And the evening begins with a cocktail soiree followed by the premiere and a panel discussion. Mm -hmm. So you can visit saltandlighttv.org slash across the divide for details. 
purchase your ticket today and do that soon because um, seating is running out. Yes, very and exciting. And stay tuned because we're going to be having uh, more Absolutely. of this. Absolutely. Our featured interview today yes, actually with is with Krista Matrenko about the film. So lots, lots more details about, about that coming up. Excellent. And drum roll, please. Okay. Another big announcement. It's the launch of our 24-7 online Catholic music station. Yes. Yes. So Salt and Light has a 24-7 Catholic music station. You can listen to good music all day long without interruptions. And instead of me telling you all about it, I thought I'd go straight to the source. Pedro, yes. tell me, how did this come about? Well, you know... Um, the fact that it, people are on online nowadays, everything's on the internet. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I love radio. Yes. Uh, it's just that it's almost impossible to find Catholic radio yeah. on the public uh, radio airwaves. Here yeah. in Canada, it's not even allowed to have single faith uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, radio stations. So the internet allows us the possibility to 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 do that and everybody's got internet at least in North America most mm -hmm. people have internet most people have a mobile device yeah. so through your computer or through your mobile device you're able to now listen to 24 hours a day 7 days a week catholic music the idea came about very simply because of that you yeah. know like I love to listen to the radio yeah, I, wish I, I always have like different um, I've got YouTube open and I'm busy listening to different songs that I'm playing in and exactly yeah. and I you know like I, I work I'll have my playlist yeah. and I'm listening to music and I'm thinking wouldn't it be great to just be able to log into a a website yeah. and listen to this music because I can't own it all yeah um or, you know, like I drive and I wish I could turn my r the radio on the car and listen to Catholic music. Exactly. Um, but it doesn't exist. Yeah. So now you can have it in the car if you have a mobile device that works in your car. Okay. Um, or at work. I think it's a great opportunity for people at work to... Uh, to listen to it. To just listen to, turn to it. Turn it on and, and as you're doing some of your sort of more... Exactly, exactly. Uh, and like it's all music. Yeah. It's not talking. There are no... I mean, th th we do have like this program will be yeah. on there. Um, but not during your work hours. Mm -hmm. So that if you're at work, you d it's just music. Yeah, and it just, just rolls music. right into the next song. It's just music. Yeah. Uninterrupted, uh, very little talking. Uh, there are some devotions, uh, like Divine Mercy every day, Excellent. and there is a rosary twice a day. So you could also pray the rosary with with the station. Yeah. Beautiful uh, renditions of the rosary by Mark Mallet, Divine Mercy Chaplet by Father Robert Gallia, oh, and there's one by Susan Hukong-Taylor. So all the great Salt and Light guests, artists that we've had on this program yeah. are now, you can listen to their music all day long, every day, all the time okay. on Salt and Light So Radio. where do we go to find out more information? So it's very easy. Just go to our website, saltandlightradio.org slash radio. It's the right. same website. Yeah. We're just going to kind of rebuild the website so that this program is just one element, okay. the Salt and Light Radio Hour. And Salt and Light Radio is the actual station. Okay. And people can w should be able to listen to it from the website or they can download a player that they can have on their on their computer on their desktop or on their mobile device yeah and um, i know you sent me the link and i know i i did the whole yeah, process it was, it was so easy very simple and then i just i was up and running very simple so it's a link you click on it it actually opens as if it was a track mm -hmm. on the player that you choose to use so if you have uh let's say windows media player or itunes uh it, it saves it as a track and then you can just click on it every time. You don't have to download it every yeah. time. You can just go back to open Windows Media Player and click on it as if you were clicking and on a voila. song. And it just continues playing. 
Okay, so when's the official launch again? The official launch will be this Sunday, yes. um, June 20th, uh, World Communications Day. So, in, in, in fact, the site is active already. We've been yeah. working on it for several months, tweaking it, yeah. making sure all the artists are, are involved because it's really a, like a collaborative. Like a collaborative yeah, it is like yeah. a collaborative radio yeah. uh, station with all the artists that are coming together, the artists that support Salt and Light Radio. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it'll be active. It's active right now saltandlighttv.org slash radio okay cool so that's all for today we'll catch up with uh, everyone yeah, next week thank you very much wow lots of good salt and light news thank you Sheridan uh, coming up in the second half hour we are going to be speaking with Krista Mitrenko about Bethlehem University can a Catholic University bring peace to the Holy Land and John Devine will tell us if God really is in our school lunchbox so stay tuned Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Radio Hour, Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Now, one of my most memorable trips ever was to Bethlehem. One of the places we visited was Bethlehem University. Now, you walk into campus and student life looks and feels very normal. Students in the courtyard laughing and socializing. Some are sitting on a bench or under a tree reading or studying. Very normal. But then you realize that you're in the West Bank. Not far from the university is the eight-meter-high concrete wall that separates the West Bank from the rest of Israel. In order to go to Jerusalem, for example, students may have to pass through the wall. Sometimes they're not allowed to pass. Mostly, they have to wait for hours at an armed checkpoint. And that's the setting for the new Sultan Light documentary, Across the Divide, which tells the story of Bethlehem University, of the De La Salle Christian brothers who run it, and the students who will sacrifice everything for their education. And sitting here with me is the producer of the film, our very own Chris Dimitrenko. Now, I, I'm always very jealous. And we've talked about this on Sultan Light Radio before, because you got to spend a month, almost, in Bethlehem living pretty much I mean you were living on campus with the students mm -hmm. um, so I kind of want to know about that experience but before that maybe just a little background how is it that there's a Catholic University in the West Bank well it actually goes back to the first ever visit by a Pope to the Holy Land which is Pope Paul VI it's kind of mind-blowing to think that there weren't papal visits to the Holy Land before that but it was Pope Paul VI who came there and uh, the Palestinian Christians who were there were asking for their own Catholic university. And so Bethlehem University became the first university in the West Bank and remains the only Catholic university in the Holy Land. So in the whole of Israel, the only yes, Catholic university. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and they're founded by the, who are the Christian brothers? It's the De La Salle Christian brothers who go back to St. John Baptiste De La Salle, uh -huh. um, who was canonized and who was the, the patron saint of, of educators. Right. And, uh, 
And they have a long history of running schools throughout the world, and they have been teaching in the Holy Land going back to the 1800s. And they were charged with uh, launching and administering Bethlehem University, and there's still a community of brothers on the campus today who run the university, some as teachers, as others as, as chancellors and uh, of the university. So the university is, what, about 45 years old or so? Yes, yeah, going back to the to mid nineteen seventies. Oh, okay, to the seventies. So yeah, okay. that's right. Um, so, so then l- let's go to your experience because you mm-hmm. arrived in Bethlehem not knowing what to expect. I don't know if it was your first time there. It was mm-hmm, my first time in the Holy Land. And so, what was your first experience? You know, what were you feeling as you walked into campus? What, 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 what did you see? What did you feel? I think that you you describe it very well, Pedro, um, in the opening. That it does seem very normal. The student life seems very similar to to what you'd see on a Western campus where, you know, you might have students who are spending a little bit too much time socializing between yeah, classes, yeah. Um, you know, you know, guys talking to girls and, and, you know, people on their cell phones. And it seems, it seems very normal. Um, people aren't impoverished there. Uh, people, no. uh, the people care about what they look like, about their appearance. Yeah. Um, it does look a little bit different in that the majority of the campus, I believe it's about Sixty percent are uh, Muslim. Okay, uh, yep. Bethlehem is a majority Muslim population, um, as is you know most of the West Bank. Mm-hmm. Even though Bethlehem is a higher percentage of Christians, and uh, the school uh, reflects that that there's a slightly higher percentage of Christians than the ordinary population. But the Christians and the Muslims um, get along very well mm-hmm. uh, by all accounts at at the university. Uh, and yet, from that very first day, uh, the university set up a number of meetings for me with students. I wanted to meet some students who could be potential candidates for interviews. Right. And uh, and the stories that they told, uh, you know, really shocked me. Uh, some of the hardships that they went through. And it seems that everybody has a story about how the conflict, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, has affected them in a very personal way. Some of them have family members who are imprisoned. Others have, you know, close family and friends who have been killed in the conflict. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's something that, that permeates their, their lives. Right. Um, as you mentioned, there are a number of students who have to commute from East Jerusalem. East Jerusalem is, is the more Arab part of Jerusalem. And it's um, really, what, like a 15-minute drive? It's so close from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. This is something that I never I, know. I never knew. I mean, really, if you were going to be you know, traveling from the Church of the Nativity um, to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Jesus was born, to where he was and, you know, crucified and where he was buried, yeah. um, you know, you're looking at what should be probably a, you know, a 20-minute 20 20 drive, drive. At, at most, even in traffic. But because of the, uh, the security barrier, it means that it, it can be at times very difficult for those students yeah particularly when they're commuting back. I mean, it's not always difficult. Sometimes it's yeah, easy. Yeah, and some of them do have uh, Israeli, uh, I guess they would have, if they have Israeli citizenship or if they have the proper... I- yes, those that are that are in Jeru- living in East Jerusalem, can, can they can go easier. back and forth. If, if there are students who are living in Bethlehem, then it's much, to. much more difficult for them. They yeah. would need to get a special permit to be able to go into Jerusalem. So, so how, who are some of these students that you met? Well, one of the students who we met um, is named Berlanti Azam. Mm-hmm. And this was um, uh, a case of, I, I suppose from a filmmaker's perspective, it was, it was amazing timing. Um, two days before we went to Bethlehem, uh, Berlanti Azam, uh, or Betty as her friends, friends would call her, had left Bethlehem to go to Ramallah. Ramallah is, is actually 
north of Jerusalem. So you kind of have to swing around Jerusalem to get to Ramallah from Bethlehem. Bethlehem mm-hmm. is south of Jerusalem, so if you can imagine that. Yeah. So taking this bus ride uh, from Bethlehem to Ramallah for a job interview. She was about two months away from graduating, so she was thinking about her future career. And because the government, the Palestinian government is in Ramallah, a lot of jobs are there. Mm-hmm. So um, on her way there, she ends up getting stopped at a checkpoint. There's dozens of these of these checkpoints operated by the Israeli military, even in the Palestinian areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I mean, this is this is still sort of an occupied, militarized area. And uh, it was at this checkpoint that they they asked for her ID, and her ID said that she was from Gaza. Now the Palestinian territories are split up. There's the West Bank, and then there's also Gaza, and in between there is there is Israel. Israel, yeah. And uh, and because. Gaza is is ruled by uh, by Hamas, um, which is you know very hostile to to the Israelis. Right. Um, people who have a Gaza ID, they're still not allowed to to be in the West Bank, and so she was deported back to Gaza in the middle of the night. And uh, and so over the next few weeks, when we were there, the university was fighting to be able to to bring their student back from Gaza right. to Bethlehem. So to be able to yeah. finish her degree. So this is one of the stories that you follow in the documentary. Exactly, <laughs> and completely uncertain at this point, uh, as it entered the Israeli courts, whether she would be allowed yeah. to return to, to Bethlehem to finish her degree. Yeah. And so this is just one of the remarkable scenarios where you've got this girl who's a very ordinary girl, by no means an activist no, type. and a Christian. Uh, yeah, a Christian girl who um, is is the antithesis of what anyone would think of when you're right. thinking of a security threat. And yet... Um, because of where she grew up, where she was because born. Because of where she grew yeah. up. And, and I mean, viewers have to, um, have to, have to weigh the, the situation. And we, we speak with the, with the deputy spokesperson from the Israeli Ministry mm-hmm. of Foreign Affairs who explains, you know, the, the very real security threats that Israelis have, have gone through which, you know, in, in his opinion, justify uh, the kind of measures that, that they have to take, which, uh, which, you know, he doesn't dispute have negative impacts on the yeah. lives of, of yeah. Palestinians. Yeah. But they but argue that they're necessary. Because of security. Exactly. It's, fascina- it's a fascinating way to look at the Israeli-Palestinian or Jewish-Arab conflict. Um, so I re- highly encourage people to figure out we'll tell you uh, very shortly where and how you can watch the mm-hmm. film across the divide visit us on our website sultanitv.org um, all the information is there but again uh, if you want to find out what happened to Berlanti and if you want to find out mm-hmm. some of the other stories of some of the other students um, uh, again highly recommend it Chris uh, it's an excellent film so but you're um, uh, and Sheridan spoke about this already so the premiere of the film is going to be in Vancouver that's right on June on, 3rd on June 3rd but mm-hmm. if you're not in Vancouver there's also going to be a screening in Halifax on June 25th that's right Toronto September 5th Ottawa, September 19th, and we're also looking to have other places, maybe Windsor and maybe even in the States, a few other major screenings. So all that information can be found on our website, saltandlighttv.org. And also our network premiere. So the first time it's going to be televised will be on Sunday, June 17th. And uh, so th- viewers, viewers, even if you don't have Salt and Light you television, yep. you can still tune into um, Salt and Light online. We're Absolutely. always streaming online, <laughs> saltandlighttv.org slash live and you'll be able to watch it then and it'll be one one viewing only um and so it's our, our yeah it's great premiere. so june 17th again details for That's times right. and that visit the website 
but if you are in Vancouver, June 3rd, because um, it'll be fun. Chris yes, will be there. Yes, I'll be there. I, I want to see you there. And also, um, uh, Brother Jack Kern, one of the vice chancellors, he's going to be there. Um, also, Carl Hitu from Kanewa, uh, which is the Catholic, Catholic Near, East Near East Welfare Association. Um, and the Archbishop of, uh, of Vancouver, Michael Miller, uh, they're going to be having a panel discussion. Excellent. And so we'll be yeah. able to to talk about some of the issues that, that are raised in this film. Yeah, so it'll so be a it's whole a great event beginning with cocktails at 6 p.m. And you can buy tickets um, online on our website. SaltandLightTV.org. So thank you very much. Krista Matrenko is the producer of the new Salt and Light documentary, Across the Divide. You can learn more about the film. You can watch the trailer. You can find out where you can watch it and uh, by visiting our website, saltandlighttv.org. And here now is our featured artist of the week, John Devine, with Tattle Tales. Guess what? What, baby Molly? Why does everybody always tattle on me? I don't know. I guess it must make them feel better, Molly. You know... I can remember one day when my grandmother said this to us. You kids better stop running in and out of that front door tattling on each other. You know, every time you tattle, your tongue grows a little bit. And the way you've been tattling, your tongues will be down to the floor before the day's over. Now zip your lips, get outside, and don't say another word unless there's something good about somebody. Uh Uh-oh. What are you doing, Molly? I'm just checking my tongue. (laughs) Why don't you have a listen to this song? Maybe it'll help. All right. Tattletale, tattletale, why do you tell on me? Tattletale, tattletale, why do you tell on me? Na-na-na-na-na-na, why do you tell on me? Matthew tells on Timmy, Gina tells on Carol, why do you tell on me? Michelle tells on Shawnee, Laura tells on Keelan, why do you tell on me? Tells on Eileen, Molly tells on Grandma, why do you tell on me? That was John Devine with Tattle Tales. Now, I've said this before. When our children were small, it was so hard to find good Catholic music that was appropriate for them. And we were happy to find Cat Chat. Now, if you haven't heard about them, check them out. But I'm not going to talk about that right now because I met a guy named John Devine. 
And if this name sounds familiar, it is because his two sons, Matt and Father Tim Devine, are also talented and accomplished Catholic singers, songwriters, and Salt and Light Radio guests. Now, John is a teacher and a superb children's entertainer. And his album, Is God Really in My School Lunchbox, contains 14 exciting and original songs for children. And it's really, really, really good. And also a really good teaching tool. So I'm very happy to say that John Devine joins me now on the phone. John, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Hey, Pedro. It's great to be here. It is, because it's been a long time. Yeah. So I, I, um, how did the idea... How did the idea for this album come come to be? Well, it all happened because of the questions that my own children asked me as uh, they were growing up and also other children in our lives, right? Yeah. And, uh, like, they would say, hey, Dad, is, is God everywhere? And I would say, oh, yes, He is. And I'll never forget the day where we were sitting in a restaurant and they looked in this little box. It was a Happy Meal box. <laughs> and they says, hey, He's not in here. Hmm. And I says, Oh, well, is he invisible, Dad? I says, well, where do you think God really is? He's in your heart. And wherever you go, that's why he's always with you. Right. God is everywhere. Right. And they caught on to that concept. So I wrote a song about that, and actually the whole album just spun from, from answering those questions. From that. So now you've described the album as a concept album. Because um, there's there's a little bit of I mean there's a little girl Molly, yeah, and and sort of the the I guess the trials and and challenges that she goes through through the day. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yes, uh, this little girl Molly, uh, I think she exemplifies so many of our the children's innate questions that God gave them in their hearts uh, to ask about eternity, faith. You know why? Wh- where is God? What what is it all about? And, and the song takes Molly on a day in her life okay. where she asks questions like, hey, what happens to my balloon right. when I let go of it? And, and so I answer it, but try, and I answer from a faith perspective. Uh-huh. Because, Pedro, I think every chance that any one of us gets to evangelize a little kid just by something simple that God puts in our hearts to explain about heaven yeah. and God is important. Yeah, no, and I kind of, I, I, I mentioned, I kind of alluded to that when I said at the beginning that it's it's also a really good teaching tool. So the songs are not just fun songs that kids are going to want to sing. <laughs> and I'm sure that, mm-hmm. you know, they're so catchy, but they're also opportunities for teaching like heaven or, uh, I mean, the song that we just heard, Tattletales. Yeah. Um, is that, was that a common uh, experience that you had with your two boys, maybe, that, you know, oh, yes. Tim telling on Matt? or Oh, totally. <laughs> and, and, and all their peers telling on them when they would visit the house. And I'd right. say, okay, and I, I had had it, and I says, look, you know, Judas told on Jesus, but Jesus never told on anyone. Right. And so let's try and not tell on each other. Although, when you're teaching this concept, you have to also define to children that it's important to tell an adult when something strange is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. the tattling uh, concept and also bringing in the faith perspective of, you know, of Jesus being the one who really doesn't tattle on people. He just loves other people. Yeah, good. There's another song, Lordy, Lordy, that and, and I can, it, it's great because I listen to it and I can actually picture the little kid sitting there looking at the window and it's raining outside. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, it must have happened with you at home with your kids, you know, they're oh, yeah. bored. Many it's a raining. rainy weekend when they had just had it with every one of their toys. 
all their art supplies were dried up. Yeah. And they just prayed that someone would visit them. And lo and behold, someone knocks on the door, and it's the two kids down the street, and I guess their parents sent them up to our house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a miracle in in the eyes of a Matt and Tim when that happened. Yeah, yeah. So, again, the lesson that, you know, you can always bring those situations up, up to the Lord. Sure. And pray to God, and God is part of your your rainy day as well. Um, um, the, the song Hope in the Lord, I Believe in Miracles. You've mentioned miracles with Lordy Lordy, and I actually wasn't expecting you to, to refer to miracles there, but how did you explain that concept of miracles to kids? I mean, kids are maybe more open to accepting miracles than adults are, but it's still a hard concept, when, especially when there are letdowns. You know, What if they pray for something and it doesn't happen? Exactly. Uh, those are the things I think almost every parent or anybody who's working with children, when the child actually prays and asks for something from God, asks mm -hmm. for a little miracle in their life, and they don't get it exactly the way they wanted it, Yeah. I think it's really important to tell kids that God never says no. Mm -hmm. He says either yes, and all of a sudden it happens, or not yet, or wait, I have a better plan. Yeah. And it's that wait, I have a better plan that most kids have trouble dif uh, dealing with because mm -hmm. they want it right now. But after a while, as they mature, you could tell them, see, isn't it better now that God really did answer our prayer in the long run and in a better way? Yeah. And, oh, does that ever bring that home to children's hearts, that yeah. miracles do happen? Yeah. Now, you collaborated with your sister-in-law, right, Eileen McCabe? I on did. these songs? So was it, again, the kind of thing that you said, hey, I have this song, this idea, and you shared it with her, and she, uh, how did that collaboration come to oh, be? Eileen, you know, her and I uh, working together in collaboration with this, it was um, like frickin' frack, right back and forth with one tune after another, one uh, right. childlike concept, and um, it was just, I think, a gift from God that the two of us got together to collaborate on this CD. Right. So you co-wrote some songs. She wrote some yes. songs. Mm -hmm. um, and then I sang on songs with her. She sang on songs with me. And, and we were in the studio all the time together on this music. And did you, uh, and the little scenes that happened with Molly, you also co-wrote those? And I guess she yes. plays one of yes. the characters? Well, actually, actually Molly is my wife. Maureen. Maureen. Oh, yes. wow. And she's the voice of baby Molly, and she was, like, perfect. The producer just loved having her in the studio doing it. And, and Maureen has that childlike uh, quality about her and faith that uh, just shows up in the CD. Yeah. The uh, liner notes in the, in the CD say that, that this album is dedicated to, to, or for the baby Molly in all of us. Mm -hmm. So is that, again, do you think that people, when they grow, they've kind of lost this sense of curiosity or wonder at God, and we need to try to capture that? Well, when I'm working with uh, adolescents in retreat situations at high school levels, uh, I find that there's still that child in them mm -hmm. is as fresh as can be. And I have learned through the years, Pedro, that the truth is the most exciting thing that uh, young people growing up in their faith, and even uh, older people right. who are still growing in our faith, will always be growing in our faith. But the truth is the most exciting thing. And, and once any way you can get this through to kids and sit down and chat with them about it, um, it's a powerful experience. 
and you may think that you're not getting through to them, but the seeds are being planted, and the fruit happens later. So that gift of faith, that it's so important to give to kids. And it's, I mean, and it's the parents whose responsibility is to pass that on to their kids. Oh, uh, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, everybody. Right. You know, and if you're worried about how you're going to give away this yeah. gift of faith to the kids, don't worry about it because God gives you the gift at that moment to talk to that child about it in your way. Do you think, I, I sometimes struggle with this as a parent myself, that, that everything has to be a lesson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but well, as a teacher, I feel that way sometimes <laughs> too. So how do you kind of find the balance so that, I mean, uh, maybe everything is a lesson, but I don't have to kind of drive the point. Like the kids, All you have to do is read your kids' eyes, and they'll tell you, Dad, I've had enough. <laughs> I don't need the lesson. I got the message. Oh, they got it. They probably you know? And you learn. They teach you all the time, too, yeah. how to give yeah. them the answer they want. That's yes. true. No, and that's why I think that the gift of music is a great way to do that. I mean, you might... I mentioned huh. Cat Chat, for example, when my kids were little, and I would just play the CD, or we have it in the car, and they'd learn the songs, and they'd sing it, and the truth is right there in the lyrics, uh -huh. and they're, they're repeating it, and, and I find the same with this CD, that these songs are so catchy, they're great, the kids are going to learn the lyrics, they're going to be singing them all around the house, mm -hmm. and, and somehow that th th those messages are, are sinking in, and maybe you don't even have to explain them. What a, what a great thing for someone who puts this music before children. And as they're playing with their toys in the basement, the same old toys they've played with, yeah. all of a sudden you catch them singing yeah. these lyrics. And that's because you worked at it. You presented it before them. Yeah. And, it's, and God doesn't let it be wasted. It goes yeah. into their hearts and minds, and it stays there. And it's so nice to hear them walking around singing, Be a rock and roll with the Lord. Yeah, it's true. You know? It's true. It's so true. Anyway, John, we have to leave it there. But So there's a new website that's being created. Oh, yes. Writ in Water Sound Creations. Yes. Writ in Water Sound Creations.com. We're going to put that on our site so people can find it easily. Okay. Um, so, but again, it's, uh, I don't want, people might be rushing there to, to you know, and might find that it's still, not, it's not completely under c construction because it's up, but maybe the, this CD is not quite up there it's yet. It's still being worked on and the CD will be on there and uh, down the road in a couple of months, uh, hopefully, uh, you'll be able to download tunes from there. Good. And you're working on another yes. project for children as well. Another one for children and in it will be some prayers that the beautiful Catholic prayers that parents can just play, and the kids will learn their prayers that way. Excellent. And it's so nice to not only have the kids singing songs, but oh, also saying nice. the prayers. Good. I'm looking forward to that, actually. When, when, uh, when it's ready, let me know, and we'll get you back on the show so we can listen to some of the Sounds music. Sounds great, Pedro. John, it's been great chatting with you. I miss you, brother. Uh, it's been way too long. We need to see each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Take it easy. God okay. bless us. God Hello bless to you, too. All right, I will. That was our featured artist of the week, John Devine. Again, you can learn more, more about his music and uh, find the music for Is God Really in My School Lunchbox at the website writinwatersoundcreations.com. Here now is John Devine with a song that Eileen McCabe wrote, Hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord, hope in the Lord, hope in 
Listening to John Devine's Hope in the Lord from his album, Is God Really in My School Lunchbox? And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. Follow us on Twitter at Salt and Light TV. And if you're on Facebook, look us up and like us. And to listen to the new Salt and Light Radio, a 24-7 Catholic music online radio station, also visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Thank you for your support and for being with us. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been the Salt and Light Radio Hour. I believe in miracles. I believe in Jesus Christ.